Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of GWBC Open for Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon, and you guys are in for a real treat. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast founder with Cirilla, Miss Sarah Delaney. How are you? Hi, Stone. I'm great. How are you today? I am doing well. Delighted to get a chance to visit with you and learn about the work that uh, that you're up to. In fact, that's probably a good place to start. Could, could you give us a little primer, mission, purpose? Uh, what, what are you out there trying to do for folks? Sure. Um, well, we are a proud member of WeBank, and we're based in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm the founder of Cirilla, which is a social enterprise. I've been working with people in Rwanda since 2007. So Rwanda is a small country in East Africa, producing some of the best tea in the world, among many other things, and really served as an inspirational um country that I actually used to live in and really changed my life. Um, I came back to the U.S. and started a nonprofit foundation, which we still operate um, to provide services for women who have a history of trauma. We have a resiliency program through that foundation, and we also offer um, seed funding and emergency relief for different issues um, specifically related to trauma, poverty, substance abuse, and addiction. Um, But I started Cirilla as really um, the economic driver. So we've got this amazing sparkling beverage, which is 0% alcohol. The main ingredient I use in that is Rwandan tea. We use the whole tea leaf. So you're getting the health benefits, the rich flavor. We don't use any powders or syrups or refined sugar. So it's better for you. It's better for the environment and better for um, our partners in Rwanda. Um, so that's our primary product line. We're selling that um, throughout the U.S. now, mainly on the East Coast. Um, we have it in cans, and we're getting ready to launch our um, kegs again, which we started to do right before the pandemic shut down. Um, but I'm super excited to get our tea on top back into uh, breweries, bars, and restaurants. Um, and we're starting to work with college campuses as well. Um, my mission for 2022 is to get into as many bars, especially in um, like college towns where wherever alcohol is served, we want Cirilla to be served too. Well, you certainly have a, a, a lot of irons in the fire, as my mother would say. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah. accomplishing a, a great sure deal uh, with this vehicle. What drove you toward the beverage industry? Yeah, um, well, I am in recovery myself. I'm sober 15 and a half years. Um, I got sober in my 20s and alcohol really caused a lot of problems in my life and definitely, um, you know, generationally in my family. And so um, I just was really excited to kind of delve into living a sober life that was um, clean and healthy, but also like full of fun. And when I quit drinking, (laughs) I was just kind of 
I was concerned, right? <laughs> that, <laughs> that's that's really to put it mildly, but I was concerned about the lack of choices. I was concerned about how I would socialize. I remember thinking I was I was um I was not married at the time and I just remember thinking, oh, what am I gonna drink on my wedding day if I can't have champagne? And so that was kind of a driver, I would say, to really create like a fun celebratory beverage that, you know, felt like I felt like I was included and I'm just, I'm excited and heartened to know about how many people are choosing, whether it's, you know, just for health reasons or addiction reasons, or, you know, just kind of testing the waters of maybe drinking a little bit less alcohol these days. There's a lot of people who are going that route and choosing that lifestyle, but still want to be social and have a good time and want something fun to drink besides, like chlorinated club soda or sugary sodas or um, juices, you know? Um, So that was like a big personal motivator. And I also saw the market opportunity there um, and kind of where things were trending. Um, And then combine that with my passion and love for Rwanda. And then the fact that I had like this amazing ingredient with me, Um, I started working with the tea to make a beverage. And I, I went to the Southeast Beverage Institute here um, learned how to keg and create a a carbonated beverage. Um, and that's kind of how we got started. So I just did my proof of concept here locally in Asheville, um, had a few kegs at a couple of events at a couple of breweries, and then it just went from there. What an exciting time for you. And what an, an inspiring story for those of you who are listening to this interview, on demand, we're actually having this conversation in mid-January of 2022. And as I understand it, Sarah, um, I think I I saw this in the notes, uh, you don't really believe in New Year's resolutions, do you? (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) I mean, it's not that I don't believe in it. You know, it's it's just not for me. um, I'd say, you know, if I were going to set like an intention today, it would be because my son and I were, um, it's snowing here today and it was snowy yesterday. And so we were, we were outside sledding and I'm probably just going to take, um, actually tomorrow off, we're going to go snowboarding for the first time this season. And I think if anything, you know, that's one of my big intentions is just to like play more and, you know, carve out time just to have fun or just to do nothing and just be unscheduled. But I kind of like, I think, you know, having, you know, being an ex drinker and someone who just kind of woke up every day and said that I was going to not drink today. And then by five o'clock, I'd be drinking again. You know, that was my past. And I just really saw like New Year's resolutions as a setup for failure. Um, But like, I think, you know, setting intentions and goals is certainly important. Um, I think it's been real tough these past two years for us to really make a plan and like stay with it just because every day, I don't know about you, but my plans and my schedules and meetings getting canceled and people getting Mm -hmm. sick, like, you know, trade shows getting canceled. It's just, you never know what the next day is going to bring. So I'm all about one day at a time and living, living life in the present. Um, at the same time, I'm a business owner. So of course, you know, I need to plan and set projections and goals and do the metrics and all that. So I think there's a, a real balance there. But if we are going to set resolutions or goals, I think it's real important that they are somehow measurable and that we're, um, you know, kind of like checking in, like that we have um, specific uh, 
a specific technique, you know, that's going to help us get to that place. I was just on a meeting this morning with Daniel in Rwanda. He's, um, he's an employee there and he's on the ground at our farm there. And we were talking about smart goals and like how to make sure that, that every goal we have has some kind of metrics attached to it. So we know we're making progress, but also, so we're setting ourselves up for success, um, rather than just keep it kind of open-ended, like I'm going to try better. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, improve in this way, but it's like, well, how, you know, how, so going back to what I said about, you know, for anyone who's like, I'm going to quit drinking today, or I'm going to quit eating sugar, whatever that, you know, I'm going to lose 10 pounds resolution is like, well, what's one specific step that you can take today to get closer to that idea. And then kind of keep circling back to like, what's the reason behind it? Like, do you think it's going to make you feel better or look better or be happier? And like, what's behind that and kind of keep pulling the curtain back. Well, I think I hear in, in, in your description that, that the key really is getting very clear about the why, those small steps, and establishing the habits that lead to, the, to those outcomes, huh? Yeah, good point. The habits, super important. Mm-hmm. So as I understand it, uh, one very critical mission for you, and it's a broad one, uh, is to end violence uh, against women. Can you speak more to that? Sure. Um, I've been doing a lot of research lately looking at the statistics, which are pretty horrific, um, about the percentage of sexual crimes and specifically rape um, that have alcohol or drugs somehow involved. And there's just, you know, some some really crazy stats um, that I'd be happy to share. But like one of them is over half of rapes in this country happen Um, when alcohol is involved. And um, again, over half of the the women who experience rape the first time um, are in college or under the age of 18. Mm. Um, And when a woman or young young woman or girl is raped under the age of 18, she's twice as likely to be raped again. Um, And I myself experienced rape um, once in high school and once in college. um, And both times alcohol was involved on one side or the other or both. So for me, it's very personal. Um, I want to do everything I can to get these numbers down. Um, And I do believe that, again, back to my goal of having Cirilla wherever alcohol is served, you know, that's just one, one thing we can do. Um, But also partnering with community organizations and nonprofits um, to make sure the tools are in place for the venues, for example, that are serving alcohol, like what are the resources they have um, to help in the preventative measures? And then what are the resources, let's say on college campuses, Um, What are the resources for uh, women who are recovering from this kind of a trauma? So wherever possible, I want to be involved in the communities where we're working um, in order to help this from happening to other young women. You use the moniker, the phrase uh, early in the conversations, uh, I I think, uh, social enterprise. Is that a formal designation? Is it just reflective of some disciplines that you try to exercise. Say a little bit more about that. 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, social enterprise to me is really, it's, it's not necessarily, um, a third party audit or a certification. Um, but we are pursuing benefit corporation status, which is a pretty rigorous, um, program to go through, um, with a lot of metrics that you have to hit to show the commitment to, um, more than just a profit making organization. So social enterprise to me really means that we're committed to the triple bottom line. So yes, we're a for-profit organization, but we also, um, are very involved in um, social initiatives. We have a social mission that goes along with our profit-making mission. Um, of course, we are accountable to investors. Um, at the same time, we've got we do have a nonprofit foundation attached to our business, um, and we want to do everything we can to to do good in the world with with the money that we do make. So as part of that, I think many organizations, and, and I think I saw in the notes where this is the case with yours, that you make a, a real effort to make sure that, that your products are, are produced ethically. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that means, produced ethically. And in, at a more technical, tactical kind of level, I mean, how do you know? How do, how do, you, how do you make sure that that's what's happening? Right. Um, so in my 20s, I worked on the fair trade side of things. So I worked with um, the agencies that certified brands and producers as being fair trade. Um, I also worked with some other community organizations um, that really tried to um, make sure that businesses were um operating in an ethical way. So it depends, you know, on what the industry is, but there's ethics related to, um, of course, you know, treatment of, of people, um, treatment of the environment, animals, the whole nine yards. Um, the fair trade certification system, I think is a great starting point for businesses that are sourcing certain ingredients that are fair trade certifiable. Um, but it's not enough. Um, it's, it's just, it's kind of scratching the surface there of like really basic elements that need to be in place to be sure your, uh, business partnerships are ethical on a global level when you're sourcing ingredients from developing countries specifically. Um, so, you know, we do participate in that system. Um, we also are um, building our own farm to grow our own ingredients oh. and partnering with 55 women in Rwanda who are um, part owners in this business there where we're growing botanicals that can be blended into an herbal tea product that we sell in Rwanda. Um, and then we're also going to be importing the herbals to use in future Cirilla flavors. Um, and so that I feel like is a model that goes beyond fair trade where we're truly partnering with um, the people growing the ingredients that we're using in this manufactured product, um, making sure that there's upward mobility, that there's seed funding if they want to start their own business, um, that they have access to resources that, you know, any employee in the U.S. should have access to that they have access to information, that they're empowered, you know, with the information that we have um, on this side as well. And um, we're also using regenerative agriculture processes in our growing. So anything we can do um, to really help um, help the, the 
the climate change crisis. Um, I do believe that that's the primary farming method that, you know, we all need to really start using in order to not only, um, not only like stop the climate change crisis, but also to potentially turn around um, the damage that's already been done to the planet. Uh, this must be, and I don't mean to suggest for one minute that, that your work doesn't have its own set of challenges. I'm sure it does, but this must be incredibly rewarding work. Yeah, it, it really, <laughs> it really is stone. I mean, it, you know, I made a lot of, um, like entrepreneur groups and I hear, you know, the, the fatigue in, in a lot of voices, like trying to build, build your own business. And, um, it can be exhausting. Like it can be discouraging. And I just, I know a lot of people who, who kind of give up or, you know, just, um, maybe don't find the same kind of, um, rewarding I guess I don't know I don't know what it is but you're so right I'm I'm definitely I feel like I'm on my path and I've I've been on the other side though like I've worked for you know I've had jobs that did I just kind of dread going to or work for big corporations that I just I get to that point where I'm like what what is my purpose here like how am I making a difference really in the world <laughs> um and so I'm 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 glad that I had those experiences too, because now I know um, what it can feel like to be on the other side. So yes, it is, it's a lot of work, but um, I'm grateful to have an awesome support network and to be part of some really great mentoring communities and, and peer um, peer support groups that I don't, you know, as much as I'm working from home right now, I, I usually don't feel too alone in this. Um, so I'm excited like for, for the next chapter in building this business. So you've had an opportunity to share your insights, your experience, your perspective in, in a TED talk. What, what was that like? Oh my gosh. Um, it was, it was a lot of work. Um, it was, I would say it took me about six months to get ready for that. And I had a great, um, coach here in Asheville who really worked with me on my speech, but I would say more than like, more than even the speech itself, he helped me almost like a therapist. Like he helped me tap into the feeling that I really wanted to convey with my message. And it required me to get really like really deep and personal into my own healing journey. And it, so it was really intense at that level, um, more than I, more than I could have expected, um, because I chose a very personal topic too. And then, you know, to actually get up there. I mean, this was before when everything was still in person. Luckily, I think <laughs> I hit like the last, last in-person event I think there were 500 people in the theater Wow! and the actual day was just um, I mean I used to have I used to have kind of stage fright and so to get over that um, was also a big challenge but luckily I had like a lot of time and support and practice and 
Um, but no one prepared me for what it would actually be like to step on stage. Like it was pitch dark in the auditorium and I couldn't see anyone. And then there were some really strange sounds coming from the audience. And so even though we had, (laughs) you know, we had practiced a lot on this stage, just in our small group without an audience, it was, um, super nerve wracking to be up there and have all these different challenges that I hadn't prepared for. So, you know, and then just, just to really, really let my guard down and open up, um, was, was a huge step for me. It was a huge step in just my personal journey, but also to get to where I am right now with my business. Well, I have no doubt that you absolutely knocked it out of the park and that you reached uh, more than a few people with your message. And that's just based on having a, a really delightful, you know, 15, 20 minute conversation here on, on the air. I love to listen to TED Talks. I, I must confess, I haven't heard yours, but I'm going to go find it and I'm going to uh, l- listen to it. Now, one of the decisions that you made at some point was to become part of the Greater Women's Business Council. And I think you mentioned uh, your WeBank certified. Uh, what what compelled you to make that decision and, and how has that served you if it has? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think it's really important. You know, I went to um, my, un- I did my undergrad at Simmons College, which is an all women's school in Boston. And, you know, I think it's really important to, um, stay connected with these communities that really celebrate women and also to, to just stay connected with, um, with programs like this, that, that continuously show us role models, um, because it's important to have something to strive to. And I feel like we're not alone and there just aren't that many, uh, female founders and um, leaders that I interact with on a daily basis in my everyday life. So this really expanded my network. And I would say, you know, even on a bottom line um, impact, we get customers who have found us specifically because we are um, women-owned certified so I think it's it's helped us on that level as well. I definitely recommend the program to other female founders, and I'm in this CPG space, so um, there's some benefits associated there too with like certain um, grocery store chains um, that are actively seeking out women-owned brands. So, so it strikes me that it's one thing to have a, a leader as as passionate and committed as you are um, the, to the to these the topics that that we've been describing. Clearly, another I would think in the recruiting and selecting and developing and nurturing and building that 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 culture. You you um, you must seek out people with overlapping value system. And, and, and I, I suspect many of your customers are, share a lot of these values. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to always, always know even who our customers are. For example, our products are in grocery stores, you know, and um, we don't always know who's buying our products, but it's awesome to be able to do demos and interact directly with folks in stores when we're able to. And of course on social media and engaging there. Um, We're also on this platform called fair.com. It's an online wholesale platform where we can actually see retail because we sell wholesale 
as well as uh, a direct to consumer, but uh, most of our business is wholesale. So we can see uh, the retailers who are actively searching for values because they have a, a checklist of values that folks can tick off and um, to get to the type of business they're looking for. So that's really cool, you know, and we do see a lot of people coming to us who are selling other fair trade certified and organic certified and women owned brands. So yeah, it's always, it's one of my favorite things to do is to walk into a store and see our products, you know, on the shelf or in the fridge next to other um, products that share some of the same values. It's really exciting. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's becoming very, very important to our consumers to stand for something important in the world, you know, to really be committed to making a positive impact environmentally, socially, um, and to really walk the talk. Well, and how marvelous it must be to know that you've created an environment and a, and a machine that will allow your employees and, and your market partners to, to live into their, into their values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recently saw a report that showed, um, employees today, uh, the, their, the salary. And of course this is very general, um, but their salary falls something like number four or five on the list of uh, you know reasons they choose yeah. to work for for companies and typically the f- the first three items are very much um, values based decisions, which I think is pretty exciting oh man again, it must be incredibly rewarding okay so what 's next and and how can we help not just the business radio X network but those of us who are listening to this? Who, who resonate with what you're doing and why you're doing it, uh, what can we be doing in our daily lives to, to help? And, and what, what are your near-term plans? Well, we really want to engage with the people who care about our products, but, you know, the values, as I mentioned. So you can find us on social media. Our handle is at drinkcirilla, S-A-R-I-L-L-A, so we've got TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, Drink Cirilla. Um, our website is also drinkcirilla.com. And I'm super, I'm actually the one who does our emails. I, I rarely send them out, but when I do, it's really important, an important message. So I love getting like new subscribers to our email. And then it's my favorite thing is when someone actually responds to one of my emails mm. and we have a conversation that way. So I'm very much involved in the day-to-day business and, um, any of those handles, like I will also see those messages, Um, But even if, you know, folks are not choosing my products, um, I just encourage you always to kind of look behind the label of what you are buying. I mean, every time we spend money at the store, we're casting a vote. And on the other side of that vote are people growing the ingredients, you know, making the products like working so hard with like so much care to make sure that we get what we want in our homes. So as much as you can, you know, choose brands that you really care about and, um, and check them out, like see what they're doing, see who they're sourcing from. It's really easy these days with like, we've got QR codes on our packages. We've got videos, we've got, we've got a crop to cup trip. So we do travel 
to origin and, and just, you know, take a look at your favorite brands and see what they're up to. And then there's nothing better than word of mouth. So if you like something, you know, please shout it out on social media. If you don't use social media, like let your friends know, because that's how we grow. And that's how we continue to encourage other companies to try to do the right thing as well. All right. Uh, one last time, let's make sure that we leave our listeners with some points of contact. So yeah, the, the LinkedIn, the website, whatever's appropriate. I want to make sure that they can reach out and, and learn more and maybe even have a conversation with you or someone on your team. So if you would share again, some key points of contact. Oh yeah. And Stone, one other thing, we're getting ready to do a big um, fundraise. We're doing a seed uh-huh. round with I fund women. Yeah. Um, and so over the next month, um, if folks do connect with us by email or social media, which is at drink Cirilla, S-A-R-I-L-L-A, like gorilla, um, or drink then they'll get an update on when we launch our iFund Women campaign. And so people have an opportunity to contribute towards that campaign to help us launch this Safety Cirilla in Bars program this year that I mentioned before. So that's a really important way that people can get involved. And if you have questions about that um, social campaign, the community building part of it, we're also looking for... um, for ambassadors and activists in the different Ah. cities where we're launching this year. Well, Sarah Delaney, founder with Cirilla, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show this afternoon. You're doing such important uh, work, and and I have found the conversation and the information absolutely inspiring. Thank you so much for investing the time to, to visit with us. I appreciate it. Thank you, Stone. It's been a great conversation. All right, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, founder with Cirilla, Miss Sarah Delaney, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on GWBC's Open for Business. Mm-hmm.